What's up, y'all? Look, I hope the last two weeks since we were able to get together have been good to you. I ain't gonna lie, coming down from the high of 75 hard, it had me, like, I kind of crashed. I, like, I didn't realize how much of my sanity can stem from a good groundwork of routine. Maybe I ain't take a vitamin in seven days. <laughs> like, asterisk, you know, I did take mine this morning. <laughs> we up. <laughs> I needed two weeks to kind of rein it back in and regain focus of the goals I have when I'm not under a 24-hour checklist or a time clock. I had to ask myself, you know, who are you when no one's looking? What do I intend to accomplish when I am my only gauge? This month, I've taken it upon myself to jog two miles every day. I threw in a few other core and strength tasks, but today's episode is about running. What running taught me. Literally, not figuratively, because baby, if you're running for your problems, <laughs> I'm glad you're here because you're going to need this one. Now, I have never been a runner. If you would have told me five years ago that I'd enjoy going on a damn run, I would have called you a bold-faced lie. Running was never something that came easily for me. And growing up athletic, it was more often seen as punishment than anything to improve my well-being. It actually seemed to be more intent on trying to kill me dead if we keep it in a book. One of my favorite quotes about self-image is that a beach body is a body on a beach. A dancer's body is a body who dances. If you are able to run and take joy in the movement, you are a runner. No matter the distance or speed, you are a runner. I was once told you may not hate running, you just have the wrong shoes. I tell this to many people when they ask me about my running journey and they scoff, you know, in disbelief. All I know is that's where running truly transformed for me. Once I found the shoe that made me audibly gasp from the moment I put it on, A6 Gel Nimbus 24, non-sponsored, I opened an entirely new world that sat beneath my feet. Now, I'm going to get into a couple of uh, bullet points that I have made for myself. It's only five that running has taught me that I have carried. One, choose one metric. During my first stint with 75 Hard, I was outdoors running and walking in Riverside Park every day. My first life lesson in running is to choose one metric. Because my only parameter for the task was a 45-minute outdoor workout, my only metric was to keep moving for 45 minutes. Baby, it's Black History Month. Martin Luther King said run. If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, crawl. But by all means, keep it moving, baby. When I centralized my running to only accomplish what I could in 45 minutes, I found that I completed every run knowing I had given my absolute best. Some days it felt like 100%. Some days it barely felt like 15%. But every day, it was everything that I had to give at that moment. Lots of high-intensity interval training-style workouts choose the metric of time over reps for this reason. By giving yourself an open time slot, we make an equitable decision for our bodies to do their thing in a way that isn't bridled by any extra fuss. There's an image of equality versus equity where two people of different heights are at a fence. One person's tall enough to see over the fence, the other is not. Equality is both of them standing on the ground think, uh, I don't know, uh, running four miles. Equity is giving the shorter person a platform to be able to have the same view as someone taller. Think two people having to run for 45 minutes. Four miles to you is not four miles to me. <laughs> it may take a, a quote unquote runner 
20 minutes to run four miles while I be dead in the ditch trying to do it before the cows come home. But I'm so serious. Setting a single metric that allows various individuals to just do their best with what they have in a space that sets them up for success is where true equity and inclusion can thrive. Find your one metric and get it done. Every step counts. Don't think about speed, distance, or anyone else. Just get it done. Two, time passing. My second lesson in running relates to time. I was taking a soul cycle class with Jonas. Shout out to Jonas Diaz. If you're in the New York City area, I highly recommend him. Anyone who follows my Instagram knows I'm a huge fan. I'm in love with Hip Hop Mondays. I had just finished class and was waiting to empty out my locker. Look, my one qualm with Soul Cycle is the stacking of the classes. Let me pick a bone with them real quick. Each studio only has one like cycling room and the classes are pretty stacked. So when you're finishing a class, the next one is about to start, which can cause the locker room to get really, really crowded really fast. It, it kind of be giving gym class. Like if you hated gym class in junior high school, Soul Cycle may not be for you for just that reason alone. The anxiety be kind of rampant. What I do is I put in my headphones and I literally just find a wall, hold that bitch up. And then when it clears out a little bit, I do what I got to do. Anyway, Jonas had recognized a rider that hadn't been in class for a while. And she mentioned it being due to her studies taking up a lot of her time. She expressed that she was kind of struggling, but she could see the finish line. I don't really remember the date of the finish line of her graduation, but I do remember Jonas's response. He affirmed her feelings and ended with, hey, the time is going to pass anyway, so just keep working. When I was in college, I was severely depressed, even suicidal. I would wake up every day and tell myself, if I can get through today, I can get through anything. I head to my 830 music history class that felt daunting and dehumanizing. And I'd say, if I can get through this hour, I can get through anything. Then off to a piano exam I knew I would struggle with. If I can just get through this exam, I can get through anything. I did that every day for years. I never focused on succeeding. I never focused on excelling. I just had to endure. I had to get it done. The beauty and the curse of time is that it truly never stops. You never get a break. You never get to stop for a moment of relief. You have to schedule it. You have to take it because the time will pass anyway. I'm thankful for the endurance I learned in college. I learned to be stronger than my circumstances, stronger than my mind. When I'm running, there are very few times that I think, wow, this feels so good and fun and fine, fresh, feminine. What I do think is that there are 20 minutes between me and the finish line. <laughs> no matter how slow, one foot down, one foot up. As long as you keep moving, you will finish. Running for me is a lot like driving. I don't enjoy it because to me, it is extremely boring. No matter how good of a playlist I have, nothing about it stimulates me. And my brain is in a constant cycle of feeling like I've been going for hours on end when it's only been five minutes. I know my treadmill girlies can relate. This brings me to my next lesson, distractions. Three, blinders, blurries. Don't look too far ahead. When you learn how to drive, you're taught to look 10 to 20 feet ahead. Not too far, not too close. Running is the same. You shouldn't focus your head down at your feet, but you also shouldn't try to look too far ahead in search of your stopping point. I made up a term called blinders and blurries. When I'm on a run, 
that's particularly distracting, like in a crowded gym when none of them damn TVs got on a show dramatic enough to make me dissociate, I think blinders and blurries. We're all familiar with keeping the blinders on. And for me, on a treadmill, that means covering up the LED screen so I'm not hyper-focused on the elapsed time or the mileage or the calories. I keep my head forward and I look past the machine I'm on. If you're familiar with focusing your eyes on one thing in particular, you're probably familiar with making your vision go out of focus. Which reminds me, we ain't got no antonym for the word focus as a visual verb. Like how a camera lens can focus and defocus? Defocus. Your eyes are lenses with incredible capabilities. I essentially am taking a 0.5 view of my surroundings when I defocus. I don't stare at any one thing on a treadmill or during an outdoor run. I have a wide lens that allows me to see everything, everywhere, nothing specifically, all at the same time, everywhere at once. In life, I believe that can translate into simply living, riding the wave. There doesn't always have to be a monumental moment. Seasons and tides govern the earth as well as our lives. I'm currently in a very stable season of what may look like nothingness from most standard worldviews. I work, my bills are paid, I sleep, I repeat. There isn't much exciting or groundbreaking happening, and yet I am full of joyous contentment at this level ground I stand on. I am confident I am exactly where I'm supposed to be. I have the blinders and the blurries on to view my life in its current state just as it is. Enjoying the present in its fullness with a wide lens to enjoy all of it without allowing my mind to get too far ahead or fall behind. Live in the now. You only get to experience it for a second. Keep moving. Four. Breathe. You have everything you need. When times get overwhelming, you are always reminded to breathe. There are thousands of studies on anxiety and how breath work can be medicine in a million forms. In excruciating pain, you're told to breathe. When you give birth, they tell you to breathe. When I got my first piercing, the artist told me to breathe. When the green grape saw the purple grape, he told him to breathe. <laughs> that is one of my favorites. There was a man on a TV show I watched called The Unexplained that has taught his body to withstand below freezing temperatures in little to no clothing. He's run an Arctic marathon barefoot. He's climbed Mount Everest in shorts. Before you ask, yes, he is. He says the root of his ability is in his mind, his breath. Breath work has been a central focus for various religious practices for centuries. There are practices in which monks can increase their body temperature to the point of their bodies releasing steam, like steam heat. This uh, ice man of sorts says constantly that he is no different from you or me. He simply believes in his breath and the power his mind has over calming and regulating his own body in extreme cold. Sometimes it truly is mind or matter. When you're running, you probably assume that as long as you're breathing, you're going to be OK. And you will for like five minutes. <laughs> Working on a breathing technique and various rhythms as I began my journey as a runner was another thing that truly changed the game for me. Many runners breathe in sync with their footfalls, breathing in and out with that syncopation or my personal favorite, two in, two out. It sounds crazy as hell. Like when people pass me on the street. How you are, you just have to say that you're fine when you're not really 
But you know, that crazy stitch in your side from running once you get on the back end of 25, it's because of your breathing, stinker butt. Having a rhythmic form to your breathing helps your heart and mind go, oh. Oh, okay. Yeah. This is what we're doing. <laughs> it helps to regulate your entire body and get it into the machine mindset. One foot down, one foot up. You think, autopilot. You breathe. You keep moving. I like to think of breathing as my fuel source when I'm running. Just as plants need the sun for their whole shebang, shibuya, the body needs oxygen. When I'm running, I like to imagine that breathing is my only source of energy. The only thing that can possibly offer me any sort of fuel to continue. With that thought in mind, when I'm feeling especially fatigued, I take deep deep breaths and I truly envision myself drinking in the oxygen. The more I feel out of breath, the more I drink deeper. Breathing correctly and fully will take you further than you can imagine. On runs where I don't have access to water or haven't had enough food, that breath sustains me like none other. You have to breathe. Running is something I enjoy now more than ever because of its real world application. That is, you have everything you need. I believe I have inside of me everything that I need to live a bountiful life. As someone who is a weightlifting mama through and through, I've avoided running for a long time. Note that everything that I've learned and all these tools I'm giving you are as someone who the longest distance I have ever run is 60 minutes without stopping. One hour. That pales in comparison to so many marathon runners, ultra marathons, things of that nature. For me, 60 minutes of nonstop running is monumental. And it took spite to get there. I only ran that long because I went on a bad audition. Before the end of 2024, I have as a goal to run a half marathon. Now, I didn't know that you can't just throw some money down and run a, a marathon. Like you have to qualify. You have to prove that you, your body is even capable of running this distance. And I'm gonna be honest, I don't know if mine is. However, I'm setting this goal for no one else but myself. Baby, it's very possible I'm going to be at the gym on December 29th running a half marathon at Planet Fitness. Wow. Because when you set a goal for yourself, you can't let any other parameters get in your way. None of these distractions, these opinions have anything to do with the goals you set for yourself. The pandemic gave me a library of options for out-of-gym fitness, but running and walking always became the go-to simply because I had everything I needed already. The big break you're waiting for is within you. If you don't see the opportunity, it is yours to make. If you don't see the category, there's your niche market. Many times our limitations begin with the mindset that we need other people or other things to achieve what has already been laid out in ourselves. I had $400 worth of recording equipment in my Amazon cart for this podcast, dragging my feet on asking my brother to help me edit and produce, waiting on a response from a friend who was a podcaster for advice. All this building up my excuse barrier of why I hadn't yet started. I'm recording this right now with the mic on a set of old wired iPhone headphones. Listen, I do my thing on editing and sound design as best as I can, but the message is still the same. Where there is a will, there truly is a way, always. No matter how big or how small this vision is, 
that which is within you is so much greater than what is around you. Take the step. Take the breath. You have to breathe. It'll keep you going in more ways than one. Five. Autopilot. Fall into it. In thinking like a rhythmic breathing machine, I think the best tool in running is the ability to go on autopilot. This is something I struggle with. <laughs> I love being in control and very rarely am I able to turn my brain off. When I'm running, I'm constantly coaching myself mentally and verbally. If you ever see me lifting weights or running and all you hear is me mumbling, easy money, <laughs> easy money, <laughs> just leave me alone here. <laughs> when I'm running and I begin thinking too much, I remind myself, autopilot. Being in my head fatigues my body even more than the running and it makes my form suffer. The only way I can run efficiently and in a way that keeps my body going is to go on autopilot, even if it's a constant reminder, which is the opposite of autopilot. <laughs> I think as people in this new age of discussing mental health, we want so much to get away from the mentality of being machines going on autopilot. But there are instances in which it has to be mind over matter. Running very rarely feels good to me. In fact, my little runner's high of autopilot and numbness, it really don't start till I hit about 30 or 40 minutes in. And by that time, baby, I'm ready to hang it up. <laughs> my two mile jogs I've been doing every day take me about 20 minutes and I feel every damn one of them. I have to remind myself that autopilot is not rigid. It is stable. Sturdy, if you will. I know the, I know the young term be saying sturdy. Understand the difference. The technique of finding an alignment that is more efficient for your stride to continue is what will propel you forward. In running and in life, one of my favorite mantras I've adopted is to fall into it. I tell myself this constantly while running. When your foot strikes the ground too far ahead of you, there's a bit of a, a breaking effect. You know, think of like a kickstand on a bike or like if you're running downhill. An ideal running form has your foot striking the ground uh, basically like under you with a slight forward tilt. So think of you running as like a forward slash, thus giving gravity the job of propelling you forward and your feet simply buffering the impact. It takes an incredible amount of strain off your body as gravity is now shouldering the majority of the movement. There are many things in life that seem difficult, that seem like the absolute last thing that could make them easier is just falling into it. Accepting a bad breakup, listening to an opposing opinion, hearing a harsh critique, not succeeding. You must teach yourself to fall into it. Let something else in the universe shoulder that weight. Trying to muscle it up ain't gonna never get you there, I promise. You will survive the fall. You will survive allowing yourself the full spectrum of that experience. Learn what is meant to be a battle and what is meant to be a boundary. Fall into it. Let your body do what it was meant to do. Learn how and when to tap into your very own sense of autopilot, whatever that is, so you stop spending so much time trying to force simple mechanics. The mental gymnastics won't get you to the next level. The Facebook warriors don't even let the rec coaches give out participation trophies no more, so I don't know what to tell y'all. There are no awards for struggling the hardest in the Trauma Olympics unless you are in Sixth the Musical, which the Bliss Queens want, by the way. Just as there are times to fight and buck, there is a time to find a flowing lane in which you thrive. 
There is nothing wrong with aligning yourself to a life that feels harmonious, a life that feels efficient for your body and soul to blossom into its most reliable and dependable self. That is where your highest and most blessed identity resides. There is a time to give your all and sprint, full force and full focus. There is a time for autopilot, wide lens, breathe, coast, fall into it. Let it happen in a way that is most efficient so that the work that is shown highlights your blooming. Take joy in the cultivation. I can't wait to see who you are come spring. That's it for this week. I got to tell y'all. Okay, wait. Since I ended on the note of spring, I put this at the end because I didn't know who was going to make it to the full end of the podcast. But if you have made it here, please know it's about to get very foolish. So since I ended on the note of spring, I have to tell y'all, I went down a rabbit hole the other day about Punxsutawney Phil. If you don't know who that is, that's the legal name for the groundhog that predicts uh, like winter and spring, et cetera. Y'all know the story. Anyway, when I was growing up, I actually didn't know that groundhogs was just out there. Like I, I thought they only had one who told the weather and that's why he was so famous. Like, it, I mean, it makes sense to me. One thing you can learn about me, baby, is if it makes sense to me, I know ask no one. I don't need nobody else. To if it makes sense to me, Baby, and that's why one of my most used phrases is, as long as it makes sense to you, because I be living it. <laughs> so if you live in New York City and you frequent the parks, you'll know that it's buku rodents out here in addition to the rats. Baby, the people be at the park someday, they're reading a book, and it'd be a big-ass groundhog just 10 feet away eating some grass. Like life, I'm telling you, life is not real. So, okay, I, I say all this to say I was down a rabbit hole and I wanted to know what, you know, Punxsutawney Phil's actual accuracy rating is. So I Googled it. Baby, Punks is only 39% accurate. Now, okay, I don't know about y'all, but a 39 ain't never passed no class I ever took in my goddamn life. So why are we still giving him his flowers? More lugubrious than that. The legend of Punxsutawney Phil states that we have been using the same groundhog to tell the weather since 1886. And that he is kept alive by drinking an elixir of life once a year at the groundhog picnic. What? Bro, what are you talking about, man? Baby, that's a 200-year-old rat with a 39% accuracy rating. And we wondering why the United States is a fucking joke. Y'all, ain't got a wife named Phyllis. But allegedly, they switch her out every 10 to 12 years because she does not Damn. get to drink the elixir of life like her husband. It is all so unserious. And then to top off the drama and finish it off, the fine print in the article states that groundhogs in the wild live an average of, drum roll please, six years. What? Man, all right, y'all, that's it. <laughs> that's it. I needed that. I don't know about y'all. I needed that. I hope you got some goodness out of today. Love on somebody, love on yourself. And remember, I love you bad, bad. If you made it this far, please share it with somebody else. And I promise I'm going to see y'all in the next one. Bye.